What would you say to someone if they told you that the Antichrist will perform miracles just like Jesus did and the Apostle Paul? Would you agree with them or would you not? Well, that's exactly what we're gonna be covering on today's podcast. We're gonna be exploring the activities of the Antichrist when he comes sometime in the future and the deception that he will bring. So turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter two and let's get into it. Well, hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Blessed to be with you guys as always as we continue our study here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I can't wait to dive into this as we have been, you know, uncovering a lot of key things, who the Antichrist is going to be, to what degree will he rule and control the world. We talked about how the Antichrist will possess the son of lawlessness, the son of perdition. And now we're going to be exploring as we looked at last podcast and podcast 210 today's 211 obviously i can count right uh, we're going to be seeing you know the activity but what we looked at last time is the restraining and predominantly when you look at that word restraining kateko in greek it's it's to hold something back in this case it's actually both in the neuter and the and the masculine which i believe in context of scripture has to do with the Holy Spirit in the church combined with holding or pushing back the work of the Holy Spirit to come. And so that's the restraining. Uh, now the spirit of the Antichrist is upon us, okay? Since the days of the early church. Um, and so that was very important to understand as we looked at that. And then verse seven, we saw that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work again, enhancing that particular description of the Antichrist is not here embodied yet as ruler, but as we saw in First John chapter uh, uh, two, I, yeah, First John chapter two, we see in verses eighteen through nineteen that the Antichrist is coming. John had warned them back then, and he had described that there is this deception that continues to uh, make its mark. And you know, obviously, in that time period. Uh, there was Gnosticism, there was Eutychianism, there was uh, Nestorianism. There was a lot of different movements that were coming about that was not believing and professing Jesus Christ as fully God and fully man. And that's important to understand, my friends, because all of that leads to when the Antichrist comes. He will be disseminating lies. He would be advancing false uh, prophet prophecies and teachings, and that's going to also be through the hands of, of the false prophet and that we see the false trinity with Satan possessing and controlling the Antichrist who is again a false Christ, a false Messiah and the false prophet who leads people through deception in a spiritual way that is not the, the Holy Spirit. And so as we, as we now go in and then we again talking about the wrath of god obviously that will come upon in his appearance and again there's going to be no we saw last time there's going to be no battling with jesus We're, you're not going rounds with him they're not going to be you know um, hitting him uh you know and attacking him and and advancing against jesus that's not how it's going to work revelation 19 20 through 21 He's going to throw the false prophet and the Antichrist in the lake of fire. The battle of Armageddon, it's not going to be tit for tat. 
there's not going to be any advancement that the Antichrist is going to have with his military against the military, the armies of heaven itself. Think about that. So that's where we left things off. And now as we pick things up in verses 9 through 11, we're going to be looking at the the activity of the Antichrist. And so I want to read here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 9 through 11. And I want to say, um, if you have your Bibles, notice... If you look at here in verse 9, it says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. So not only if you go back in context, that the restrainer, the Holy Spirit, the church, so that the activity and the power of God in his spirit through the church right now, as we're in the church age, is restraining the work of Satan to be able to bring about his false Messiah. So the coming of the lawless one we're told here by Paul, is by the activity of Satan. And notice, with all power and false signs and wonders. Okay, so we're going to unpack that because in the, in the opening of the podcast, what would you say to someone? If they said, hey, I believe according to scripture that the Antichrist here clearly in Second Thessalonians says that he will be doing all kinds of miracles, supernatural works, right? Is that true or is that false? We'll get into that. Then it says in verse 10, and with all wicked deception for those who are per- perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved, therefore God sends them a strong delusion in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay, so let's dive into this portion of scripture, verses 9 through 11. Um, and actually, I was, you know, to verse 12. And see what kind of activity the Antichrist will have will actually have here on earth. Now, after explaining, again, the destruction of the Antichrist, because that's important, and I love what Paul did there, is instead of diving right into the activity of the Antichrist, you know, and, and striking fear and prominence to the Antichrist, he talks about his, his annihilation, his destruction, before he talks about his activities and what they will look like on earth okay and that's important for us to understand because a lot of times we can give too much credit if you will we can pay too much attention now we're not to be foolish but we're not to make satan out to be something that's the opposite of god there is no opposite of god satan again is not an opposite to the lord he's not his equal he's not his nemesis he's not you know like batman uh versus the Joker or to that extent. Okay. And that, and sometimes people can paint a picture of that. And a lot of times when you hear some prosperity preachers, they talk like that. Um, that's not the case. Okay. So there, the, the antichrist will be thrown into the lake of fire. We know. All right. And now what Paul does is then he returns after assuring that, Hey, listen, okay, this guy is a powerful being who is going to be possessed by, the most powerful fallen angel, the, you know, the Satan. But that doesn't mean that he's going to destroy uh, or put a dent into God's army and to his church. So the rebellion, though, that the Antichrist will unleash is what now he's going to be talking about. So this is the time period during the tribulation period of what the coming of the lawless one will do. Now, this is what's important. 
if you look at this word coming of the lawless one, you've been paying close attention to our study, even going back to First Thessalonians chapter 4 into chapter 5 to verse 11, there has been a common word that Paul has used and he uses it here again. But this time, he's not using this word to, uh, in talking about the coming of Jesus, which is parousia, the Greek word, but he now applies the same term as he done to Jesus' second coming to the Antichrist, okay? So there will be a literal, physical embodiment of a ruler. We don't know what his actual name will be, but he uses the coming of the lawless one, parousia, as he has done about Christ physically coming in his second coming one day. So this is future tense. Now notice this word he uses, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. So notice it is Satan who will usher this in, okay? So at some point along this gentleman's life, I shouldn't even use the word gentleman, right? This, this uh, wicked individual, but we don't know like what his upbringing is going to be like somewhere in the rebuilt of the Roman Empire. Uh, will he grow up religious? Maybe Catholic. Maybe he's an atheist. Maybe just a spiritualist. Maybe he is a, uh, you know, mystical individual or progressive mystical Christian. Whatever the case may be, we don't know. I do think, though, as we alluded to back into Daniel chapter 7, there is some language, obviously clearly applies, that he will be a spiritual individual, maybe a religious pluralist, but then he comes and declares himself God. So all other religions need to obviously heed his commands. And that was very common as we see throughout history, especially with Caesars and emperors and people like that to that, to that level. So this activity is of Satan. And the word here in Greek means a function of energy or power. And that's specific. So it's not just at, you know, like if you listed five different activities that they'll be doing, like when you go to a camp. So these are five activities that, the, you know, the camp's going to be providing you pick and choose. It's more than that. There's a functionality that this individual known as the Antichrist, the son of perdition or the son of lawlessness will have through the power of Satan. So it is all built around Satan. So at what point will this individual you know, give into the activities or the power or want to have the functionality that he will possess with Satan. Uh, what will that look like? You know, will he be a Satanist? Um, we don't know the specifics, but we clearly know in order for Satan, and again, this is what's important. And I've mentioned this as we're talking about the Antichrist several times. The only other person that we have recorded in scripture that was being controlled by Satan himself is Judas Iscariot who betrayed his rabbi for, for silver, right? For 30 pieces of silver. And so this is significant, my friends. The function and energy and power of Satan will come upon this individual. Now, jo now John describes the power of the Antichrist will come from Satan. He says in Revelation 13, verse 2, the last part of verse 2, it says, and to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne in great authority. Ah, so this is what's important, my friends. And why we do this on the podcast is that we look elsewhere in scripture to interpret scripture. And so clearly from what we have here in verse nine of second Thessalonians chapter two, about this activity of Satan, John himself, another apostle 
who receives the last revelation, the last apostle alive, says that the dragon, that is Satan himself, will give his power and his throne and his great authority. Now, this is what we have to understand. That the linkage here, the functionality, the activity here, is that Satan is going to give in his entire kingdom, fallen kingdom, and, a spirit, and the, spirit, the spiritual realm will mix with the physical like never before. So he's going to open up everything and hand over everything. It's like a backer saying to a politician or whatever, I'm going to give you all of my resources. It's not going to be limited. I'm handing it over to you. And the Antichrist, through the direction and power of Satan, uh, he's going to be like a puppet. And so notice what it says here, when Satan does this, when he hands over, more specifically, as we see in Revelation 13 too, that activity, according to John, is his power, his throne, and authority. Now, we say, what authority does Satan really have? Well, not much. When it comes to what we see in Scripture, we're told that he, he has the keys of this realm. We are, we're told, that's in Ephesians 2, we're also told that he the God of this age or the prince of the power, we see that he has a domain. He has some authority to advance his deception during this time until obviously he's defeated. Now his works, we already told through the cross have been defeated. And that means is that when you and I cry out to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if we're in bondage, no matter whatever it is, no matter the sin, God's love is far strong, stronger, okay, uh, than any other uh, power out there and and that's and that's what we're seeing here in scripture is that even though satan has this authority and it's and it's and, and yes in context is powerful if you if you are susceptible to it if you're if you're if you're weak okay there's all kinds of things he will he can do when we are weak when we are alone when we're not in the authority of christ when we're not walking in step of the holy spirit when we're not using the word of god which is what our 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 sword and our faith is our shield so what's going to happen in 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 this time of the tribulation is that there's going to be all power and false signs and wonders um that will prevail through and that, again that functionality of the antichrist now what we have to now unpack in answering this question like what kind of miracles will the antichrist actually do well let's look at the language that's used here from paul the Greek word, again, notice this is all power in false signs and wonders. So false is the wonders or the prodigies of falsehoods or counterfeits. So a lot of commentaries will liken it to, um, again, the, 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 you know, like the magic, if you will, or the superstition or the incantations or the sorcery that was used during Pharaoh and when with the exit before the Exodus, when Moses was going up against all the quote, you know, uh, magicians of the time, they were using counterfeits, sleight of hand. So that was even back then, thousands of years ago, they used deception. They had these what is called as prodigies of falsehoods. So they're counterfeits. Okay, uh, I have a good friend who's an illusionist, and he says that's what it is. It's it's making people believe that this is real, but what you're doing is you're, you're deceiving them. Okay. You're, you're presenting something over here for them to be fixated on while you are, you know, in the process of bringing out, um, 
you know, the coy or, or the, the, the fake thing. And that's a lot of what the Antichrist is going to be doing. He's going to be appearing to be a lot more powerful than he really is. Now, when you do look at Jesus' ministry and the apostles, one thing that we clearly see in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, and Romans 15, verse 9, is it was followed by three things, powers, signs, and wonders. Now, this is important because when you look at Scripture and you look at what Matthew 24, verse 24, and Mark 13, verse 22 say, Jesus said that there will be many false prophets in Christ that will perform great signs and wonders and they will lead many astray because remember, Satan knows this. And again, it's a false trinity, Satan, Antichrist, false prophet. And it's going to be a false example of the ministry of Jesus through powers, signs, and wonders. We saw that with Jesus and we saw that with the apostles. Specifically, uh, we see that with the apostle Paul because there's more descriptive accounts there's more details that center around his traveling his missionary travel along with his counterparts with his colleagues and so jesus said that that will come about and so not only will the antichrist show again as we see here false signs and wonders but the spirit of the antichrist going back to first john 2 18 and 19 will be perpetrating that as Jesus forewarned in the Olivet Discourse. Now, the Bible Knowledge Commentary says Satan's desire to counterfeit God's miracles in the world can be traced from Genesis to Revelation. Paul employed three terms to describe the supernatural power this man will demonstrate. Ah, so let's go deeper now. Let's unpack these words through the Bible Commentary. It says, the word miracles as dunamai, it emphasizes the inherent power behind the works that he will perform. The word signs is semeos. It refers to the fact that they will have significance. And the word wonders in Greek is terrasin. It indicates the attitude of awe that will evoke when people behold them. The commentary continues to say, he will in short perform such powerful miracles that it will be evident to all that he has supernatural power and people will stand in all of him. One such miracle in the people's all are, is mentioned in Revelation 13, 2 through 4, and Revelation 17, verse 8. Okay, now there's much debate, as I said, about to what degree will these miracles, signs, and wonders, you know, like will God allow Satan? Or how about this? Let me ask you this more specifically. Does Satan have the power because if it's through his activity and he's giving over his powers, his authority, and he's a throne to the Antichrist, that he's meshing, you know, with the physical realm. So whatever, when he's a one world dictator, it's going to be through the advancement, through the spiritual kingdom that Satan holds um, and using that delusion, that deception to control the world, which again, that's the whole thing that Satan has always wanted, right? So does Satan have the ability and the power and the authority to give another person uh, the the ability to perform miracles. Number one, let me just say this. No, because Satan does not have that type of power. Satan cannot perform supernatural acts. Only God can. By definition, a miracle is a special act of God. Therefore, no one but God can perform miracles in his designed and ordered creation. Okay, only God can perform miracles. Satan can do super normal activities, but
but not supernatural wonders like raising people from the dead, creating new life. And of course, he does, he cannot do miracles that overpower God's authority. So based on the text, the implications is that the Antichrist will do superhuman things that will be very compelling and cause people to follow his lies. Let me give you an example. Okay. So levitation, I believe because, you know, how opens loose and Satan hands over these abilities for the most part, demons are unseen. Okay. And can you imagine when you've given yourself over to Satan and he, he, he possesses you, he controls you, right? Your thoughts, your actions, your deeds, everything. And he's levitating or like, it looks like he can fly if you will. It's just angels picking him up. So for example, that, that's a super normal activity, but it's not a miracle. It's deception. It's seeming like this guy has the ability within himself, but he's being helped, if you will, by demons that we cannot see. Okay, so when you have, you know, doors slamming and lights being turned on and a lot of weird activities like, oh, there are ghosts around. Those are demons that are able to flip a switch, if you will, and make it seem um, like it's, you know, the, the, the dead calling out, okay? And that's what they want you to believe, that we in one aspect that because a lot of people do which is unfortunate i was watching a netflix special a while ago this documentary and looking at you know people who have lost loved ones and they're in pursuit of trying to you know keep the door of communication open uh, with them and that there is no hell or heaven um but they just reside among the dead and you want to be at peace to communicate with them but yet they're just what they're doing is they're speaking to demons so those are those are the kind of miracle signs and wonders that Satan's going to open up with all kinds of demons. So keep that in mind. And so these are not actual miracles. Um, yes, they, they derive great power, supernormal activities, because these magnificent, um, you know, creatures at one point who are now fallen, right, still possess some, some powerful abilities, but they're all intended to bring deception. So that's the sad irony. Again, like anybody is God has given you the ability for something and you use it for wrong. You use it, you use it because you're greedy, you're selfish. And so all of this is going to be a, a ploy to draw people in, to make them think that the antichrist is this powerful being that is actually committing supernatural wonders to cause people to listen to him and to worship him. And yet, all the while, they're counterfeits. Because again, it's not God in, you know, that is giving his power to, to perform these acts. He's permitting this to be done. But he is not the one who's orchestrating it. That is so important for us to understand. So the Antichrist will do superhuman things, but he will not do supernatural things. Only God can. Now notice in verse 10, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. So, Notice in context, this is another thing that's important as we see here in scripture. If it said in the previous verse, with all power in false signs and wonders. Again, the Greek word for false, for wonders and for signs is the prodigies of falsehoods. They're counterfeits. So in, in, in partnership with that, notice it says, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. 
So predominantly, the people who will be uh, deceived are people who are already perishing. The word here is destruction. So again, if you look at Romans 1, 18 through 32, this is people who have suppressed the truth. This is people who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is people that right now that you could think of just in our culture right, right now as I'm recording this, you think that we are in a place now where so many people are believing that you are assigned a sex at birth, but you at some point can determine your own gender. And that children... If they have any signs of gender dysphoria, oh, you know, within a matter of a, a, a one one appointment or two with a doctor, they're given reversed hormone treatment. That's where we're at. This is where we're at. So these are the kinds of people who have rejected the gospel, who believe in their own truth, and they reject objective absolute truth, are going to be the people predominantly who are going to be deceived because they're already perishing. Notice it says because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. These aren't, these aren't just gullible people, my friends. These aren't just ignorant people. These are flat-out people who have defiantly and, again, willfully rejected Jesus and the truth. So everything the Antichrist does is to deceive the world, to mislead people, to actually think that he is divine. So a lot of the people who've rejected the validity of Scripture— and the evidence for the resurrection, they will fall prey and say, this is the one for us to follow. This is the one who will bring peace. He signed the treaty with Israel. He is performing supernatural acts, which again, you guys, speaks to where we're at right now. A lot of people think that atheism is going to take over the world. No. What's going to, which going to eventually lead the world to a full-on, uh, you know, uh, I think I would say a campaign of deception is going to be a person who's claiming to be God. So this theist worldview understanding is what Satan's going to use, not an atheistic one. Now, remember, he'll use all those worldviews to pull people away from God. But ultimately, to bring on full deception, a campaign of full deception, he is going to use the Antichrist to declare himself God. Now, there are many times in the Old Testament where God handed people over to their lusts, uh, their lies, and to their sins. And this is what we have to understand. And at this point in time, remember, God's wrath is upon the world. He has given them over to their lies, to their sins. Isaiah 29, 9-12 says, Are you amazed and, and, and incredulous? Don't you believe it? Then go ahead and be blind. You are stupid, but not from wine. You stagger, but not from liquor. For the Lord has poured out on you a spirit of deep sleep. He has closed the eyes of your prophets and visionaries. All the future events in this vision are like a sealed book to them. When you give it to those who can read, they will say, we can't read it because it is sealed. When you give it to those who cannot read, they will say, we don't know how to read. Notice, that's even prophetic. It was applying to the time of Isaiah, 700 years plus removed before Christ came on scene. And it is still true to this day. The spirit of deep sleep will fall upon this generation, my friends. So the wicked deception will fall on those who are already perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And notice verse 11, therefore God send them a strong delusion 
so that they may believe what is false, verse 12, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is so descriptive. Then God will say, okay, here's a strong delusion. This is what you wanted. You rejected me. So again, there are consequences to your sins. You have free will and you have freely chosen to disobey me, to reject me. And they're going to believe more of the falsehood. When you ever talk to, when you talk to somebody and they're, they're not using any reason, I mean, the, 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 the conclusions they draw does not make sense. It's illogical. It's, it's again, nonsensical. There's no point of arguing with them. And when I say arguing with them, not raising your voice and being hot tempered, I'm just saying, just having an open debate. There's no point because they're not, they're not using reason. Okay. And not only that, but notice they're condemned. They don't believe the truth and they have pleasure in unrighteousness. All of that gives you an understanding as to why this, this strong delusion that God sends over to the world will, will get people to believe the Antichrist to be something that he's not. Now, there will be a working of error. And this is important because when you look at this language, the strong delusion, there's, it's a working of error that will sweep across the globe. The Greek term for delusion is a plane. It's, it's, it's a wandering, okay? So think of it as this group of people, again, who don't know the number, but let's just throw it out there, millions of people who will be wandering, looking for answers. And we also have to keep this in mind because, and I can even say this in my own life, that there are people that I love and I know love me, but are not followers of Jesus Christ. And yes, I would say that's, that is possible, right? Um, that you can have a love relationship with somebody that you could be fond of, that you can care deeply for, um, but are of the world. Now, at the end of the day, I do believe that they choose the error of their ways um, then turning to the truth. Therefore, you can't really have a very deep, meaningful, long-lasting, enduring relationship because ultimately they uh, pleasure in their unrighteousness. And so they're wandering, they're lost. And when they have lost because of the rapture, when Christians have been taken out and the Antichrist comes on scene, he's like the best thing ever. And they fall for this and he shows all these false signs and wonders and people are like, oh my gosh, this is the answer. And my loved ones who I lost for whatever reason, it could be excuses where the Antichrist says, I use my power to eliminate these people because they were plaguing the world. They were destroying the world. They can use propaganda. And obviously I think that's going to be a part of it in his campaign as to what happened to the people who were raptured. But you also got to be sympathetic here because could you imagine people who loved a follower of Jesus Christ, yet they rejected that message and didn't believe in it. But then that person suddenly is gone. Maybe it's in a marriage. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child or a son. Whatever the case may be, but now they're gone. So I think a lot of people, I bring this up because a lot of people are going to be looking for a lot of answers. So this strong delusion is people are wandering and they're going to be, they are going to be gullible. But, but we have to understand that it's not just gullibility. That's just like some stupid person, you know, that, that hasn't ever read a book. But we got to think of it in a sense that there's this mental error that is going on now with people and these wrong beliefs that don't make sense. 
It doesn't make sense. So it's not that God's preventing them from knowing and coming to the truth because there will be some people who will. But it's simply God saying, this is what you wanted ultimately. Now, of course, we don't ever know the consequence of our sin, but if we, if, and if we did, then of course there'll be a lot of times we wouldn't do it, but God can't always intervene like that. He can't always stop us and say, okay, before you do this, if you go down this road, this is going to happen. Okay. And then bring them back to reality and say, okay, so do you want to do that? That God doesn't work that way. He's simply turning them over to the consequences of rejecting the truth. So by rejecting willfully and freely the truth, these are the consequences that follow. Plain and simple. That's reality. No matter how much you believe reality is and your self-autonomy, it doesn't match to the facts, to, the, to what corresponds to the truth of the, in the world. And that's important. So when you look at verses like Romans 1, 28, and it says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Romans eleven eight, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down uh, to this very day. It goes back to Isaiah 29. It goes back to what we just read here in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 10, that they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. They look to, all, to alternatives. This strong delusion, God says, okay, these are the consequences. That's what that means. It doesn't say that God's like, I hate you so much, I'm gonna bring you this strong delusion and prevent you from knowing the truth. What God is saying is he's a just God. He's saying, okay, this is what you wanted. Here are the consequences. So think about that. And 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, we're told in Paul's last letter to Timothy, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Guys, I think we're already there. They will have itching ears. They, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. One of the growing movements, and I have a new book coming out called Hijacking Jesus, and one of the growing movements that we're seeing predominantly now that's held in America is that Jesus was a revolutionist at best. Maybe a Jewish mystic. But now you have the you have the, the, the movement, the gay gospel movement, that he was all he was an inclusive woke teacher. But a growing movement that is taking shape in universities and teaching our, our young people now is that Jesus never existed. And that flies in the face of what we know in historicity. But it doesn't matter. Again, that's just what a revisionist does. They just rewrite history. And so notice this is they'll turn away from listening to the truth. It doesn't matter. And you wonder like, what on earth? It's, it's, a, it's so clear as day. It doesn't matter because the Bible says they're not enduring sound teaching. They're, they're, they have itching ears. They, they accumulate for themselves teachers, right? So they're promoting people that feed their fantasies, that suit their passions, their sexual desires. Remember, because you go back to verse 12 here in 2 Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Thessalonians, the Bible says they're condemned because they did not believe the truth, but notice, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Again, that goes beyond just having temptations, doing some bad things. This is a pattern of living that runs contrary to God, who he is and his will for your life. That's what a debased mind brings you. So I hope my friends that this really has made sense 
uh, you know, in context of what we're seeing here with the activity of the Antichrist, let us not be fooled into believing uh, what kind of person he's going to be performing things that are comparable to that of Jesus when he was here on earth and Paul the apostle. Not at all. This is a total counterfeit and people are going to believe it, unfortunately. And so before that happens, what are we called to do? Get grounded in God's word as you guys are listening to this podcast and teach other people. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, we're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking up because we're waiting for the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So I pray that encourages you guys. Hey, before I get out of here, I just want to let you guys know, thank you guys for praying for this ministry. Uh, thank you for some of the new donors that we have actually gained through this podcast. Many of you guys who have been listening for quite some time, who've been blessed by this podcast, I want you to know something. I'm not able to do this without the prayers and the financial support of men and women just like you. And I, every time, I was just telling this to my wife recently, every time I turn on this mic and, and record in the studio for this podcast, I'm always thankful. I'm always reminded of the generous supporters who make this possible. What a blessing. And this is, this is what I love doing, teaching people the word of God, and I'm able to do it because of your generous giving. So if you've never given to Stand Strong Ministries to help support this podcast and the other initiatives that we're doing, I'd encourage you to go to standstrongministries.org. You can click on the donate button. We have articles that are available on our website, uh, books that I've written, uh, plans that I've done with version. So if you have the version app, the Bible app, and you love it, check out some of the devotions that we offer there. There are several that I've written with other publishers and other people. I have one out there with my pastor, um, you know, on suffering and persevering. Um, so f I pray that, that you find those as a resource. And you can also check out our other podcast, Challenging Conversations, where I interview, uh, you know, some deep Christian philosophers and theologians and pastors and writers on issues that are very controversial today that a lot of Christians run from. And I'm trying to embolden you guys and equip you guys to engage the culture for Christ. So also uh, take advantage of that and leave us a review wherever you get this podcast. Will you do that? Will you guys make an effort to leave us a review? Cause that helps build our audience to get people to be grounded in God's word, just like you desire to be. So with that, I love you guys. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. Thank you.